handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 10.10 a.m. Eastern on July 4th. Woo! Independence Day, barbecues and freedom and fireworks. Uh, 2022, the year of our Lord, 2022. Um, just, uh, I, I guess I'm enjoying the three-day weekend. I've uh, I've, I've been a very strong American this weekend. I've watched a shit ton of content. I've played video games. I've, I've curtailed my reading for a few days. I, I've never felt more American. I've ate, I've eaten cookies. Uh, I, I'm just feeling fatter and dumber and lower energy. So that's my tribute to America. Um, I'm exhausted. I haven't, um, I haven't slept more than three continuous hours in the last like week. Uh, I don't know if I have long COVID or tall COVID, but I uh, <laughs> I tested negative on Thursday finally after getting a rebound case due to Paxlovid, which it feels like. And I'm not blaming the individual doctor who let me take Paxlovid, but I feel like that should be a standard warning. Like my options were monoclonal antibodies. Um, and Paxlovid, and a friend of mine had taken Paxlovid when he had a bad case, and he said it really helped. So I said, "Can I get Paxlovid?" And he said, "Sure." I would recommend one, either either one, but not both. So I said, "Okay, I'll take Paxlovid." And but then after my rebound case, my brother sent me like a CDC article or statement from late May saying that it can make you susceptible to uh, like a rebound case or rebound symptoms from COVID. And like I said, not blaming the individual doctor, but that feels like something that should at least be presented. If you have options, that would be like, that's a, that's a, if monoclonal antibodies don't cause rebound cases and Paxlovid does, it feels like that should be a fairly standard warning. 
and it's no big, I don't think it's a big deal, but my sleep has been terrible. Two nights ago, I woke up and the, my sheet was fucking drenched in sweat. Like, I mean, like where, where it feels like somebody put like a, a wet bathing suit on my shoulder when I pulled the sheet up. It was fucking disgusting. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then last night I just haven't been sleeping well, but then last night, uh, the cookie bear was just staring at me at 3 a.m. And then uh, she put her paw up on the bed. I was like, you ain't coming up here, bitch. It's a term of endearment when you're using it against a dog. And she started whimpering. And I just pet her. And she went down. But but once again, you know, I woke up. I went to bed at like 12.30. I woke up at, I think, 2, 3, and 7. So, uh, good times, everybody. Um, I don't know. I think I'm I'm stressed as usual. Oh, and by the way, there's a bonus episode uh, for in case you you small but mighty percentage of fans of mine who uh, join the Patreon. A lot of good stuff there. Don't know how long it'll last. Like so much in my comedy career, but you know, it's a lot of funny, funny exclusive stuff. But uh, the bonus podcast was was after a first few minutes of mirth uh, was kind of a downer but also very important because um uh in boston i'm in boston on july 15th uh one of the shows had to be canceled because ticket sales are low so the late show is no longer happening so there's just a 7 p.m show um and i'll leave it at that the bonus episode has you know what you can imagine are my feelings of deep despair uh, a year ago july I sold 150 tickets on a Monday in Boston at the same venue. With two weeks to go, I had sold a total of 20 tickets for a Friday uh, in Boston. So that's, you know, you can imagine where I go from there. But that's not, uh, that's obviously not not where I want to be trending. Um, I thought, you know, I, I thought, yeah, whatever. It's in the bonus episode. I don't need to ruin your Independence Day or your day after Independence Day or uh, your your August tenth, whenever you listen to this. Um, and then I had news also on uh, Half Blackface, which was like non news, but I guess it made the person who filmed it feel good that like technically it wasn't a fuck up. So now if it doesn't get bought or promoted or pitched. I guess it's on me for not being an A plus like the first one was, but only an A minus. So, you know, it was, um, it was not a good week last week on the comedy front, but are there any good weeks? Probably not. Um, so the good news is one of the things I've been watching, which has been recommended to me for a while, I, I wanted to watch it for a long time, this show Gamora. It's currently on HBO Max. It started in the States on Sundance. I, I mean, it's Sky Italy and, and uh, program, but uh, Sundance had the rights to it for the first two seasons. And I meant to watch it, but I had the, I saw the movie Gamora, like, I don't know, in the theater. Um well over a decade ago. I, th I think the movie might have come out in like 2009, maybe? Or so so somewhere about around there. But the story fascinated me because it's, a, it's about the Naples sort of crime crime culture in, in Italy. 
A fucking cunt. Kids, don't get a landline. It's fucking useless. All you get is fucking spam. Because you get to you get to 43 and all you've got is your mom and spam. <laughs> That's all you've got calling you. But, uh... So I saw the movie. And was like, eh, it was okay. I don't know. It was... Uh, you know, I, it was well reviewed, but the story behind the book that the movie was based on was really fascinating to me because the 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 writer had to go into hiding. Um, Roberto Saviano, he had to go into hiding because he exposed so much about like the criminal underworld and its connections to drugs and fashion. Um, and so, like less than a year ago I read the book finally I, ha I literally bought the book after seeing the movie I was like I'm gonna read this and like fucking why was I bullwinkle there but then I um, finally read it like I don't know late last year early this year I quit with like 100 pages left because I was kind of bored it felt much it, it wasn't as like riveting it's a translation obviously from Italian so maybe it's more fun in, in, in or narratively enjoyable in, in Italian but uh, it was just kind of a slow, methodical kind of report. It was a report. It felt more like a report than like a fun book. There were some interesting things. Or interesting book. I shouldn't say fun. It's not supposed to be fun. But there's still some obviously horrific shit in there. And it kind of tells the story of all these different fucking fuck. I don't know if you can hear that. The, I put the phone off the hook and now it's buzzing probably just enough to annoy me and for you guys to go is jl imagining things hold on shut up phone Cunty phone yes cookie cookie i think has learned a new curse word which is cunty she she knows the f word well and she does not like it but now she's starting to get the vibe that the c word is maybe also not a good word you good puppy okay hey guys i'm back um, Backstreet's back as well. Um, <laughs> but the series had been recommended by these two foreign dudes I worked with on a, on a legal project in 2019. Have you seen Gamora? You gotta watch Gamora. Like the one guy, I think he was, was one guy South American and the other guy was British. But they were very, both very into Gamora. And then my friend Ross was was a, a big time late booster of the show as well. I was like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I just thought this weekend was the right time. So I've been crushing crushing episodes. I've I've watched uh, one and a half seasons so far. It's five seasons. It's currently on HBO Max. That's who has the rights to it. I think they acquired the rights like after season four. And it's really good. I really enjoy it. Um as I expected to, but it just, you know with all the content cookies stop eating your fucking puss please thank you um we're podcasting here nobody wants to hear you going tongue deep in your nasty ass cookie fucking digging for oil come on hey guys i'm back as is backstreet um <laughs> but you know you see a show and you're like oh five seasons 12 episodes each each an hour christ when am i gonna have the time i'll just watch this bullshit limited series it's only four episodes and won't fucking do anything to stimulate me or enlighten me but it's just clearing content we're gonna clear content like 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 fucking the streaming services it feels like your your middle management of your own enjoyment 
You know what I mean? You're just like, okay, we got we got goals to meet, guys. We got to meet our content quota. If you don't watch three movies and two series in the next six weeks, you will fall behind and Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime will fire your ass. So I finally just said, fuck it, I'm going to watch Gamora. These other things can wait. They don't own me. They don't control me. I control content, not the other way around. And so, um, yeah, Gamora. That's the good news. The good news is a violent show about horrific people in Naples, Italy, is uh, the highlight of my week. So, uh, yeah, I recommend it, guys. I mean, I'm not done with it, obviously, but, you know, so far, season and a half in out of five, uh, I'm enjoying it. And a uh, great score. Like every episode ends with like this this great piano score. And as soon as it starts going, it's, it's, you're like, oh man, something profound or disturbing is going to happen to end this episode. It's, it's, a, it's so good that it's starting to feel like its own cliche already. And I don't mind. Because I'm like, as soon as... As soon as that starts, I'm like, oh, shit, somebody's getting murdered or uh, somebody's betrayed somebody or uh, maybe on a rare occasion someone's in love. I don't know. Cookie. Oh, oh, look at that. Cookie's dancing right now. When she gets on her back and starts dancing, she kind of looks like Elaine from Seinfeld. Um, so, um, not sure what else. I guess hope we're, hopefully you're enjoying your, your Independence Day, your freedom. Uh, hashtag uh, non-blacks, uh, 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 statistics. It's just, it is kind of weird. And I know I'm sure all over this country, there's people going, this is our true freedom founding fathers. They, uh, you know, 1619 project can suck my fucking white dick. I don't respect no 1619 project. Um, that aside, <laughs> it, I'm not, you know, you know me, guys. You know me. I'm not like, yeah, I'm left of center, but I'm not, not that this should be a pejorative, but I'm not Mr. Say the right pronouns, woke, woke, like I'm always on the right side of everything guy. But the more you read, the more you're sort of just like, there needs to be some kind of acknowledgement. I, I get it. 1776, cookie. Cookie. Fuck. And then you lick the carpet of your ass juice. Jesus. I feel like Christian Bale in American Psycho. Don't just look at it. Eat it. But the... Um, <laughs> but uh, you, just any rational person, you're like, I get that 1776 marks a, 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 a profound milestone in the history of this country. Like, I'm not for erasing major milestones and and things that pushed us on the path to good and great and whatever i'm not i'm not that guy but it also just starts to feel ridiculous where it's like there needs to be other acknowledgement um of of the shortcomings because they were not small the shortcomings were not insignificant and you know like i said i wrote on twitter yesterday uh, something very simple, but and it's not like I, I synthesized it into a, a nice, concise tweet. But it's not like I discovered these ideas. But I just said, you know, the Franklin Roosevelt got Americans to love big government 
And one of the key components to getting huge votes for his massive programs was they largely excluded black people. That's how he got so many Southern Democrats to vote for it. So it became like these hugely popular programs in 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 Congress because you brought you know other states just wanted it because it was good policy, and the South was like, "We'll go with this good policy as long as it ain't going to you know who." And so America was white. America voted for Democrats and was 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 very pleased with big government as long as it was big government for them. Just like people in fucking Alaska are all for like fucking oil subsidies or and corn farmers in Republican states are all for corn ethanol subsidies, like the government bailing them out. They're all for big government when it's for them because they somehow deserve it. And then the 60s come along. And Lyndon Johnson, who I I believe is, you know, in on the Mount Rushmore of white American men who would get an N-word pass, and, and although I think he preemptively assumed that because <laughs> he was apparently a liberal user of it. But I, I go with Lincoln... Who would be the the Mount Rushmore of white Americans getting the N-word pass? I gotta go Lincoln, Lyndon Johnson, Eminem. I mean, I think Eminem, if we're being totally honest, there's too many people who'd want to take him out. But I, I feel like he could get it at least for artistic purposes. You know, maybe not just in conversation, but for artistic purposes. And and who would be like a fourth? Who would be a fourth that would get a white American N-word pass? Cookie, this is getting fucking annoying. Stop. Hey, guys, I'm back, and so is Backstreet. Um, who would be a fourth? I, I think the first three are a lock. Lyndon John... Oh, John Brown. There it is. Done. John Brown. Not that he would use it, but John Brown. Goodbye. There's your Mount Rushmore. Your Mount Rushmore of white dudes who can say the N-word in American history. Abraham Lincoln, Lyndon Johnson, Eminem, John, and then the, the, the white goat, John Brown. Uh, who was... Man, I read this biography. It was another one of these books I had since like 2006. And I finally read it in like 2018. But it was a biography on John Brown. And man, what a fucking righteous fanatic. Um, just such an outlier. Like he was, he would be progressive. Like he would be on the right, not progressive, like super left, but he would be considered like a, other than his religion, his, his, his Christian sort of deep Christian fanaticism, he would be left of center today. And he was walking that walk in the 1850s very impressive very crazy but i oh what a what a what a great what a great american he was even though he he violently butchered some people what a what a what an overall great guy uh <laughs> well there you go that's a look at that guys i started the podcast super depressed i still probably am but you know just thinking about the mount rushmore of white americans who would get an n word pass and I, I, I mean, feel free to, to, to comment or let me know who you think would. But who do you think? I don't think anybody gets bumped off that list. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Sure. Say it. What do I, say, say it. You, you, say it. Uh, no, no hard R, Abe. But say it with an A anytime you want. Lyndon Johnson, you already say it with the hard R, which is why we have to take this back to committee. 
to see if you've if you've because you preemptively used it are you barred from using it that's for the committee to decide but civil rights act voting rights act you made martin luther king cry when you said we shall overcome in front of congress martin luther king shed a tear okay so yeah okay as long as the committee says you can retroactively apply it to your you know and we'd like you to we'd like you if possible to stop using the hard r that would be greatly appreciated lbj m&m we know you're not going to abuse it we know that you're going to uh, only use it for artistic purposes, but we, we feel you've contributed enough and been respectful enough that if you feel a verse requires it, we will look the other way. And then number four is, is, is a no-brainer. You know, it's more like an honorary award because we know you won't use it, John Brown. Your, your, your anti-racism and your Christian faith will not allow you to use the N-word, but my God, if you ever feel like it, guess what? Hard R once a year. Feel free. So there it is. <laughs> but, um, but then, yeah, Civil Rights Act and everything came about. And whites have never voted with Dem- for the Democrats. A majority of white voters have never voted for Democrats again in a, in a presidential election. How about that? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that sort of – is it a coincidence, guys? <laughs> Because that's what I always want to ask people who are so kind of ignorant of history, where I just go, do you think it's a coincidence that big government was okay with white people until big government helped black people? Is that a coincidence? Because they've never voted. They voted all the time for Democrats before then. And they haven't since. We're going on 57 years and counting? Hmm... And that would be my question. I said, well, no, no, it was, it's because of concern and taxes and budget. And it was like, mm, no, white people didn't give a shit about that. And as Trump showed, they kind of don't, they're not as, they, there's still more populism in the Republican Party ranks that Trump exploited. He did nothing about it, but he at least riled up people over opioids and, and, and jobs and trade. But it seems that... Uh, the proof is in the pudding, and the pudding is racist. <laughs> uh, not rice pudding, racist pudding. Um, and it's, it, But it's like so simple to me. That's the thing. It's like a simple thing. It's That's not a controversial thing to be like, hey, white, like the same way when I would travel the country when I used to get booked for comedy shows before I got famous for comedy, which proved to be the... Um, the death blow to my... Co- Once I got a lot of fans... Uh, it was over for my comedy career. But I remember going to a church in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Nice church. And I'm just looking around. That was the church where I... Was that the church? I'm, I lose track of where the fuck I've been, to be honest. I don't. Maybe it wasn't this church. But I remember... I do remember St. Paul, Minnesota and being like... Um, one year, because I went to this club a couple times. One year I saw one black man and there was me and everybody else was white. In a congregation of like at least 600 people. And then, which I do like about going to the Midwest, it's, it's, it is fun going to church when it's full, not, not me and nine deathbed senior citizens saying the Our Father. But, um, and then I went to another church in St. Paul on another trip, 
or was it St. Paul? It might have been. I'm sorry. That like, it was some other city that, um, like, so much of America was racially segregated, and it was me, and an eight. I saw an Asian lady, and then uh, you know, 702 white people, and I sometimes just want to go. Hey, I'm just curious. Do you guys think it's, it's weird? Like, I'm not saying you were, and that's the problem. It's not you that's to blame. Individually, it might be. You might be a racist uh, real estate broker, but it probably isn't your, you just said, I got money, I want to live in a place with a good school and a nice town, and, and lo and behold, whenever I go to, when my kids go to school, or I go to work, or I go to church, it's all white. And, you know, I know we don't live in a 100% white country, so it's, is, I wonder why that is. Like, I, is there, you know, various steps need to be taken to rectify certain things but the, one of the first ones has to be curiosity you know like like are you curious about why things are the way they are and when you find out the truth do you reject it or do you accept it and if you accept it do you decide maybe there's some things big or small that one can do um and it got me thinking I, i've been i've been on a, a a writing spree like i'm very tempted um, in light of how horrific the experience making half blackface is uh, and, and continues to be, um, was and continues to be, of just, I'm on a, like a, and I think when I get, <clears throat> as Keep My Enemies Closer is the best example, my life was in one of the worst places it had been that last year. Um, and it, the outlet of comedy led to like my, until Half Blackface, what I think is my best album. Some people think Thoughts and Prayers. Other people are big fans of Israeli Tortoise. I'm proud of all my all my works, for sure. Every single album I have has multiple sort of classic JL bits. Even Racial Chameleon. Even the, the granddaddy of them all. But I've been writing a shit ton of really good stuff lately. And I have nowhere to, to practice, if you will. Like... I, it feels it's it's very torturous right now because I, I I um to quote to paraphrase Salieri from Amadeus. Well, no, but I don't. Never mind. I'm not going to quote Salieri. Sorry, Salieri. But I've been on this streak, and I wrote a, a good. Uh, um, I've begun a bit about. It's kind of you know. I start by saying you know like like all dumb people who think they're smart. This idea started from a Malcolm Gladwell podcast. And I said, um, country music and rap music would be an interesting place to bring the races together. And I just started making a list. You know, I was listening to Hank Williams, uh, Your Cheatin' Heart. And I was like, you know, Your Cheatin' Heart uh, will tell on you. And I was just like, well, you know, it's kind of like uh, the themes of country music are like, classic country music are like, you know, I'm poor, all I got is my dog and my truck, my girl cheated on me, somebody died, like depressing stories, basically told by, uh, you know, hard scrabble, poor white people, and then you go to like rap, and it's like, well, instead of just talking about your one dog, you're talking about your dogs, uh, you know, you're talking about growing up poor, you may not be drinking whiskey, you might be drinking Hennessy, but you're drinking, um, uh, you know, you're cheating girl, you're cheating hoe, same thing, you know, your cheating heart will tell on you, snitches get stitches, there's a, like, I've just been comparing, like, a whole list, and it's true, Malcolm Gladwell sort of brought this up, that rap was the only other art form, 
like country music, so steeped in with a bedrock of it was like storytelling and, and sharing your unique experience. And I thought, well, yeah, because a lot of the DNA is the same. Poverty, uh, crime, you know, the sometimes prayer, Christian, like there, there's a lot of threads going. Now, I'm just explaining it to you. I have to like continue to write the bit. But I think the issue for me is, so if you use those two art forms and talk to people who are at least open-minded and you say, you see, black people, look, if you listen to old country, oh, and another similarity, another similarity I said was, I mean, and both art forms suck today. <laughs> Any real country, I'm not even like some country music aficionado, but I'm like, you know, just like mumble rap and trap music and like they all, I mean, I couldn't tell you who the fuck is singing. It all sounds the fucking same. It's like the TikTokification of hip hop. Um, in a Every song is fucking two minutes and three seconds. It's like one verse and a, a hook and a, and a, and a beat that sounds eerily familiar to the last 95 songs. And uh, this isn't, I'm not speaking to like the big artists who have signature sounds or are, are big enough to just do their own thing, whether it's a Drake or Kendrick Lamar type, type person. But in terms of just like anytime somebody drives by me on the street and I'm like, oh, that sounds a lot like the last nine songs people have driven by, but it's definitely not the same song. But you, you, so that was like one of the jokes is like, oh, and, and you know, so the jokes I haven't even, t but I'm like, you know, both, both fan bases use the, use the N word. <laughs> uh, both art forms really suck right now for the most part. So, so you go through this whole parallel track of the two, but then you say, but here's what each group, where you can find the unity, but it requires concessions and one bigger than the other. Rap fans, listen to country, listen to classic country. You know, these were these are people telling their stories, and you'll hear a lot of similar themes told in their twangy way, but a lot of the same themes. White country fans, listen to rap. You'll hear a lot of the same themes, but instead of the lawman coming for you because you're no good, it's basically the entire system. Now, if you can, and that's where we get the issue of people not being able to say, you know, instead you retreat into your corner and go, well, my daddy was hunted by a lawman for bootlegging. What's the difference, partner? And then it's like, well, the difference is the entire system. And if you can admit that, because I think then you get into, um, what is it called? Oppression Olympics, right? Where it's like, so you think, uh, I had a bad too. I didn't have no slams. I grew up in a trailer. And it's like, yeah, you, you should acknowledge that. Some That should be acknowledged. But it's just because you or your family or your ancestors were oppressed doesn't mean it nullifies or is greater than the oppression someone else felt. And that's where we get into the problem. And I think that's where you get somebody like Dave Chappelle on his his thing is not about country music or whatever. His is about seeing the LGBTQ people have their moment and they're accelerated if you, you know, relatively speaking, at least if you're paying attention, what seems to be a relatively accelerated advance. And that's, in a way, that's a good thing of the civil rights movement that it opened up speedier 
you know, a fast lane, a relative fast lane to other groups. Now, if you're a part of that group, you're like, oh, really? We're, we're, we're gay people super free to be gay in 1690 or 1810 or 1970? No. So it's, it, it's just a, it, it's a smaller community. It's a, it's a community that was easier to hide. You could hide yourself a little. Obviously, you can't hide if you're black unless you're me. Um, or Rashida Jones, but you can't, you can, you can, you can kind of hide. That's why I call it a closet. There is no black closet where you go, oh, I went into the closet and I was uh, safe. Now, but then Dave Chappelle does kind of the same thing that white people sort of do, which is this I want you to acknowledge that my oppression is, Chappelle is sort of saying, my oppression is greater and therefore I need not respect your oppression because I win. So you're going to get these jokes and these non-jokes trans community because I'm a black man and our legacy of oppression of being oppressed in this country is second to none. And I think white people do that, you know, with, with their story where it's like, I didn't, my, my family didn't own slaves. We came over here from, from, if you can't acknowledge the difference, if you cannot acknowledge, um, the difference. I remember having an argument with somebody I dated, unfortunately, which was like, this idea that Jewish people had had it worse than black people. And I said, well, I mean, if you're going throughout history and throughout other, I wasn't talking about like the Holocaust and shit like that. I said, yeah, but I'm just talking about in America. Like the discussion we were having was about America and she refused to sort of concede that Jews hadn't had it easier in America. It was like, they were discriminated. They had to start their own thing. And I go, yeah, nobody's saying they weren't discriminated, but it's like, what is the big deal about saying, yes, black people in America, and then I complain to a Jewish friend of mine, that's what you do. You go to your, your law office and, and you then find your, your Jew, one of your Jewish friends and say, can you believe this? Can you please co-sign? <laughs> can you co-sign my idea? And he was like, oh, in America? It's not even close. What is she talking about? And I was like, right. That's all, like, it doesn't, it's a fact, but it's like, it's, we're very uncomfortable acknowledging that particular fact and that would be my country music rap summit bit when i finally perfect it um it's just about look at all the similarities and that's where the funny stuff comes in you make all the funny quips about country music being so similar to rap music but then you go but then there's just a you know a slight difference but a key difference and if we could just see how much we have in common and while not saying that any one group has to, you know, must must give up their rights or their entitlements or their improvement. But what is the what is the big deal about just saying this country has been uniquely and extensively for an extended period of time more horrible to black people than kind of any other community in a, in, in in a horrific both violent and then political way that sort of sustains today. And I just point to people and say, I point not to, I don't point to people, but I point to the fact that do you think it's a coincidence that once black people were given not extra rights, <laughs> but simply codified their constitutional rights? Like, all the thirteen, all the fourteenth and fifteenth amendments did, and then the and then the the civil rights, the civil the the civil rights 
Act and the, and, the, and the Voting Rights Act basically just said, hey, remember the amendments we passed right after Lincoln died? Those should count. It wasn't extra. It wasn't bonus. It wasn't privileges. It was literally saying, you're now equal. We, the, we are going to make an effort to make everybody equal. And what then happens in certain cynical conservative circles that I wouldn't expect to appreciate my country music and rap music sharing similar DNA bit is as soon as things are done to remedy that, they go, <laughs> uh, the cure to racism is not judging by race. So now that we have a century plus head start, you may not do anything to rectify. And then you get to something like reparations, which I think I talked about on the bonus episode at one point, not this week's bonus episode, but on a bonus episode where it's like, I think the problem is so vast that you just, the people against it have to mock it. Because if you took it seriously as it should be, you'd be like, oh, you know, we've done the calculations and it turns out descendants of slaves are owed um, one America and a third of Canada, if we're just doing not, I'm not blaming Canada, I'm just saying in terms of total value, like America now belongs to descendants of slaves. Uh, if you tally on the interest and punitive damages, um, yes, America now belongs to black people who descended from slaves. There you go. And even some black people who didn't descend from slaves who've been treated very poorly. Um, and um, in fact, let's just, uh, can we throw J.L. Covan uh, $700 for the amount of racist things he's just had to hear because he didn't look black to people? Okay, good. You agree, J.L.? 700 bucks? Is that good? Great. Um, but yeah, like reparations, it's, it's if you look at every group, um, it's kind of like Colin Kaepernick, how like apparently maybe he's not a good quarterback anymore and it's like, see, we told you. It's like, no, 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 you can't say he's not a good quarterback in his late 30s in 2022 and justify him being blackballed six years earlier in his prime. Like, that, it doesn't work that way. And I feel like reparations are sometimes like that, where it's like, uh, reparations, that's comical. Um, my grandparents weren't even here for slavery, so what exactly is going on? It's like, yeah, but you could actually trace various businesses and wealth stemming directly from slavery, and you could do calculations on what people are owed, um, it wouldn't be perfect, but you could actually do that work because every other group, Japanese internment, Holocaust survivors or people who had things stolen during the Holocaust, etc., etc., all those groups get some form of reparations or some chance to hear, but slavery was, quote, so long ago, okay, but it, but it should have been handled in the 1890s or 80s, but guess what? Jim Crow. And it should have been handled in, you know, during the New Deal. But guess what? To get the New Deal passed, you had to exclude black people. Well, it should have been done in the Civil Rights Movement. Well, they were just fighting, fighting for their rights, and it would have probably, and you see what that did. So imagine giving reparations to all those black people. Um, what that would have done if merely giving equal rights ended the majority whites' relationship with the Democratic Party. So, um, just some thoughts, but I'm excited. Like I've just been, I've been writing a shit ton of stuff, and it, it feels good. Um, but it, it's bittersweet because it's like, will I have anywhere to perform this stuff? I will once, Boston, and I'm also supposed to be on a show in Morristown, New Jersey. No idea how many. I mean, I always was getting requests from New Jersey people, but I think that just means, are you doing a show within three blocks of my house? Um, but yeah, country music and rap music.
not so different in terms of what they convey, but, you know, miles apart in other ways, guys. And hopefully that joke can bring the country together or get half a million YouTube views and pay me, you know, $1,200. Either way, I'll take either. Uh, unity in the country or, um, you know, h half a rent payment. I'll take either. Um, I think that's it for me. I think that's it for me in general. So, signing off forever. Good Goodbye, world. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say or do, or I'm just going to go... I'm going to write a lot today. I'm going to watch maybe a movie um, on streaming. I'm supposed to see Elvis and Thor this week, but work, day job work has picked up, so I may have to only see one. I may only see one of those movies. But yeah, if you're if you're in the Boston area, if you're a fan, I, uh, please don't don't wait now. Go go get your tickets. Um, can't I, I mean I had sold by this time last year. I had sold like 95 tickets on a Monday, so I really thought I would have sold out one of the shows and be looking to fill up the second show. But it turns out um, I'm not even close. So yeah, if you're a Boston person, I hope you I hope you get tickets or tell a friend in Boston. But tell a friend who like maybe has expressed interest. You'll just be like, you live in Boston. Uh, I like chamber music and pottery. Uh, then don't tell them. But if there's somebody who's liked my stuff or likes comedy, yeah, feel free to tell them. But 7 p.m. July 15th, City Winery. Um, always sad to just in one email see your profits shrunk by half. Um, if you're lucky, but, uh, yeah, so I hope to see you there. I, 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 I don't think I have anything else to report. Um, what else? No, that's, that's it guys. So thanks for listening. I hope you have, 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 or had a great weekend and, uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you next Tuesday. Uh -huh.